Next on BYU Sports Nation, nearly a decade into the independence era, what is the current state of the football program, and is it trending in the right direction? Who is the new starting middle linebacker to replace Sione Takitaki? We'll ask linebackers coach Ed Lamb on Media Day Eve. Plus the number one benchmark to determine if BYU football has a successful season. Opinions wanted. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live on a Monday. Back to work, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy June 17th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with alligator wrestler Jerem Jordan. I would never. I, I don't. Th- I don't think I've really had an encounter with an alligator before. Nor do I seek one in the future. I saw a picture over the weekend on Twitter of an alligator in Texas with a huge knife stuck in its head, just swimming around, minding its hard own to know business. If that one was real. <laughs> in a pond. Well, multiple news outlets reported on that this. That doesn't mean it was real. <laughs> What's the proof it's real? They just saw a picture and they're like, oh, that's funny. When I first saw it, I thought it was a helicopter in the water. I was like, or a helicopter of some sort. I was like, what is that? I was like, oh my goodness, that is an alligator head with a knife in its noggin. Okay. Viewer discretion advised. Early. (laughs) We're not messing around today. We are not messing around today. We're going to do plenty of that, don't worry. Here's today's show lineup. Speaking of alligator wrestlers, the cyborg, Ed Lamb, will join us. BYU football assistant head coach. What is he expecting on media day tomorrow, and what does he want the message to be for all of BYU Sports Nation going into the 2019 season? And buy, sell, or hold. We saw Zach Wilson throwing over the weekend. Is he going to be ready by game number one? Tell you what, I am buying today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The ninth annual BYU Football Media Day hits tomorrow. We will host a special two-hour edition of BYU Sports Nation from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern time. Huge day, the who's who of BYU football, all in Studio B. Additional coverage will include the state of the program at 11 a.m. Eastern and 150 years of college football, a special at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can also watch web chats online. Who knows what's going to happen there? They'll happen throughout the day, 10 a.m., 2 p.m., 5 p.m. Eastern. It is all football, all day on BYU TV, BYU Radio. Pro Football Focus ranks BYU starting left tackle Brady Christensen as the number two returning sophomore tackle in the country. Christensen started every game last year and had a tackle-eligible rush. A forgettable one against Northern Illinois. (laughs) The United States men's volleyball Nations League team beat France in four sets on Sunday. Taylor Sander leading his team with 16 points. Another former Cougar, Ben Patch, scored 10. The U.S. on a four-match win streak. They'll play the next three matches in Chicago this weekend, beginning with Japan across the way on Friday. More volleyball fun as well. The USA men's Pan-American Cup team sweeping Guatemala yesterday. Remember Price Jarman? He's playing. Scored seven points in that win. And the U.S. women's Pan Am Cup training team beat Canada in the in an exhibition match. Former Cougars Ronnie Jones-Perry led the Americans with 17 points in the win, while Canada's Alexa Gray led the fighting Kawhi Leonard's with 14 points. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. 
The ninth annual BYU Football Media Day goes down tomorrow. And we come to this juncture every year. Where does BYU football stand? Jerem, specifically, we ask the following question. What is the current state of the BYU football program? I would say on the rise. So under Bronco Mendenhall, BYU had a tremendous start, right? Um, Had 10-plus wins in four of the first five seasons. That's the best run in BYU football history in terms of wins in a four-year run. Then after that was, uh, you know, there was a 10-win season in there, but it was mostly eight- and nine-win seasons in independence. It kind of felt like BYU had hit kind of a a ceiling right there. So under Kalani Satake, it's been a little different. It's been a roller coaster. It's been nine wins the first year. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams were never supposed to be here in 2016, but they were. Nine wins, eight Games decided by a score less. That was a wild year. The next year, four wins. Forgettable. Last year, seven and six. And because BYU has a sophomore quarterback at the helm and a sophomore offensive coordinator, uh, BYU feels pretty good about an offense that's getting better, a defense that's been really solid the last three years. Some numbers to back that up. S&P as a team last year, 46 to end the year, 50 going into the season. Phil Steele has BYU at 38 going into 2019. So I would say on the rise. I have BYU as overdue for the breakout. It was supposed to be in 2014. Oh, it broke. It was just Taysom's ligaments. Oh, goodness. Breakout season needs to happen. BYU has yet to have that special season in independence. I know they won 10 games in year number one. That was the weakest of the schedules. So there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone. They finished the season ranked 25th in one poll. Because USC was ineligible to be in it. Yes, and it needed an exception. So BYU's yet to have this in independence. Long overdue for the breakout, but I agree with you, trending up. I expect BYU to exceed what they did as a team last year. And if they ended the S&P at 46, hey, I'll take a BYU team that finishes 45 and up in the S&P, especially against this schedule. I, yeah, I expect more things for BYU. Trending up and overdue for a breakout season. BYU needs to win at least eight games for everyone to feel like, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah, and eight won't be breakout, right? I think nine would be breakout this year. When's I, the breakout going to happen? Yeah. I think they're trending in that no, direction. Nowhere soon if they continue to just stack the schedule. And, like, if you're going to play, think about this schedule. Just pause for a moment and come down this road with me, right? Uh, what if BYU had two Power Five teams in the first four games and not four? Would you feel like 10 wins would be possible? That would be fun, right? Hope would be real high. Instead, it's just like, hopefully we survive the first four, and then we'll see what happens on a similarly tough uh, October. Yeah, and we discussed this before. What if you could move those four Power 5 games and and balance them in the schedule? What what you can't do is balance. What you can do is control how many you play. That's why I hit that note a lot. Now to topic two. In independence, it's sometimes difficult to figure out a context for what a season means. There's no conference uh, league title up for grabs. So, Spencer, what's your one benchmark to determine a successful BYU football season? And this isn't specifically about the approaching season. This is just about any season for BYU football. Well, the minimum is a winning record, Jerem. The minimum. It's not even hard. Which obviously guarantees a bowl game. Okay? So, winning record, bowl game. For me, 
It is a top 40 S&P ranking at the end of the season. If you are in the top third of college football, I feel like you have a successful program. And typically to be top 40 in that metric, you've got to win eight plus games. Also, you can throw in the rivalry factor. BYU has has not beaten their main rivals, Utah, Utah State, and Boise State a ton in the past. In fact, one and nine in the last 10 games. That's stupid. Yikes. They have two of the three at home. So win at home. Win the two games at home. Guarantee yourself a winning record against your rivals. That's part of finishing top 40 and winning eight games and having a winning record and getting better. So, yeah, I think it comes down to be a top third of college football program in the S&P record. I feel like that's the all-inclusive number. And I have something I'd like to propose. I did this on Twitter. You're proposing to me? Well, not proposing to you, oh. but I am offering a proposition to you as part of BYU Sports Nation. Propose away! BYU hasn't had a winning record at home in a while, right? How about this? Less is more. Lavelle Edwards Stadium, L-E-S, Less. is more. Get it done at home, Jerem. Smell some t-shirts. <laughs> uh, total wins, which is sort of unfair. Pro, uh, pro sports, you're defined by how you perform in the playoffs. But in collegiate sports, you don't get that same opportunity in every sport. College basketball, you do. You make the tourney or you don't. But if you expand the playoff to 16 teams, maybe it'd become like that. Perhaps. And perhaps one day we actually go there and stop acting like it's all about uh, academia or something else. It's about the athletics, right? Student athletes! Athletic students. That's what I say. Um, The minimum standard for me, and I've said this before on a good season, is eight wins. That's regardless of what the schedule is, I think. Because it, we don't have all these metrics that can help simplify the process. Like in basketball, there's a lot of metrics that help us understand how good a team is beyond the record. But in college football, there's not as many. Uh, perhaps that evolves the next couple of years. Eight plus okay, is the minimum to have a good season. If you were in a conference and you, went, you had seven overall wins, but five of those were in league and you were five and three and you took second or something, now you feel better about the season, right? Even though the total wins are different. So it's kind of hard in independence to do that. But I'm with you. you get, do you beat Utah or not? Do you win two of three or three of three against the rivals. Did you have memorable games, finishes, moments, improvement, right? So last year, what was last year? It was Zach Wilson um, coming of age, and it was beating Wisconsin, right? So hopefully you have good wins, uh, you know, uh, eight plus, a couple of memorable performances there, uh, standouts, and you go from there. But you got to get a minimum of eight. And if you really want to have a splash nationally, you have to go 10 plus. You just have to. The eight is great idea for BYU football has come down from their Mountain West days because I think you and I can both agree that when BYU was playing in the Mountain West it was 10 it was 10 10 10 wins so eight success yeah eight to me is is equal to nine and a half ten wins now Um, but eight has been an interesting benchmark in independence which brings us to our stat of the day it's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Eight seasons of independence. BYU's won eight or more in all but two seasons, and they were the last two seasons. Four and nine, seven and six. Here's to eight in 2019 eight. or the, more. The more we talk about this, the more I think, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get eight. Go get eight or more, right? Or more. Because what if the BYU offense is just awesome and BYU gets to nine or ten? Now we're going to feel good. And guess what? BYU's a play away from beating Northern Illinois, a play away from 
in theory, beating Boise State, although that was a good comeback. And against Utah, you're up 20 two different times. Make a defensive you're, you're, play. You're this close. Yes. And like I talked about last week, the one-score games are a huge difference because if BYU had beaten Utah and had nine wins last year, we are feeling different. We are talking differently going into this year. Maybe Phil Steele is factoring that into his top 40 ranking for BYU, looking at Perhaps all of that. Perhaps how close that was. If BYU is to win eight games, no question, the quarterback's got to show up. We all anticipate that Zach Wilson will get better. The offense will get better. BYU football as a whole will get better. They won seven games last year. Can they get to eight plus? Every gunslinger needs his right-hand man, Jerem, or right-hand men. Who will be Zach Wilson's biggest asset this season? Biggest. Interesting. The offensive line. No doubt. To me, that is the clear answer. To me, that, that is the best group on the uh, on the offense, this is a group that returns the left tackle Brady Christensen, number two sophomore tackle in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. Left guard, all three that started last year are back: Thomas Schoff, Keanu Saliapaga, and Kiefer Longson. All of them. The center, James Empey, number one center, uh, freshman center in the country, coming back. Right guard, Tristan Hodge, Notre Dame transfer, started all thirteen, and then right tackle you. Replace Austin Hoyt. We'll see who it is. Perhaps Harris Lachance, who looks like uh, a beast. He looks like John Tate Part 2. Phil Steele has BYU's offensive line with 74 career starts returning. That's 45th nationally. That's a really good number. It's been a few years as BYU started to build this. you got to credit Mike Empey with getting a lot of these guys. Sure. And now, uh, you know, now... Uh, Ryan Pugh and then Eric Mateos's turn. This is a group that I think can change the game against the big boys in the first four, especially. Jerem survey says me, me likey. Yes, you bring up great numbers and great facts on the offensive line. Now I'm going to focus my answer specifically on a skill position. Mine because, was the unskilled. Is that what no, you're no, 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 no. I'm just saying in football <laughs> terminology. I know in football I know. terminology the skill the positions. Although Brady Christensen caught a well, it was a rush. So yeah. He was a skill player, a one if you will. play skill position it didn't go player. well, but... Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He, he got his time. It mattered in that game. Back. It was a one-score game. That was a big play. Okay, I'm going to go with a couple of pass catchers. The tight ends, Jerem. I think oh, that the tight yeah. ends are where Zach Wilson can rely when he's feeling the heat, and he just needs somebody to make a play. In fact, we saw him do this on multiple occasions against Utah and against Western Michigan in his last two games specifically, just throwing it up to Matt Bushman and letting him make a play. And Bushman delivered. He did not disappoint. Now throw into the mix Moroni Laulupututau. How about those tight ends? Mm-hmm. I'm having visions of Chad Lewis yeah. and Atula Mealy. Both played in the league. Uh, so that's quite the comparison that we've started to make, right? Matt <clears throat> Bushman, Moroni Laulupututau as skill players will be the biggest assets for Zach Wilson as the quarterback. You need a safety valve. That's the second best answer. That's tremendous. Those are the guys. Proven pass catchers, veterans, and they block for him too. So they're kind of yeah. pseudo-offensive linemen. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. This is a, the second best answer. It's really good. No, I'm with <laughs> you. If BYU is going to win 8+, plus, they're going to need to have a really good offense because uh, Zach Wilson is capable of taking this offense to the next level. BYU had to change its offense entirely. Midway through the season. Remember the jet sweeps? Those all but went away because Zach Wilson can, can change the game with his legs. You didn't need to soften up the defense uh, horizontally because Zach Wilson could do it any direction, right? He's got a good arm. We're going to show you some video later yeah. of him throwing. He can change uh, the game with that too. Yesterday. Um, so it's, it's very exciting. I'm excited about this BYU offense more than the last couple of years, frankly. Our question of the day. How would you define 
the state of the BYU football program. We want your opinions. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Andrew G. Garrett on Twitter answers, seems like recruiting is on an upswing right now. The future looks bright thanks to this new staff. Grimes, Roderick, and Stewart in particular. And we can't talk about him until he signed, but over the weekend, things went well. Yeah, we saw a number of Go Cougs tweets from coaching yeah. staff members. Yes, it's good to get good talent, right, from all over the country. At uh, Bolivia uh, Aloha on Instagram, still searching for an identity. Now, offensively, uh, it was uh, run heavy, right? It was uh, play action pass. It was kind of that direction. It changed with Zach Wilson. What what worked in the first three quarters with with BYU against Utah, and then the second half against Western Michigan? Zach Wilson slinging it. Obviously, you've got to be able to run effectively. But when Zach Wilson and this offense were looking to pass and pass a lot, it went really well. I would be shocked if BYU doesn't go that direction this year. Throw the ball. This is BYU after all, right? The identity of the past is uh, resurfacing, I think. Coming up, we have video of Zach Wilson throwing. How does he look? And assistant head coach Ed Lamb is in Studio B, the state of the program in his words. And is there a kicking battle? And I think he just got back from wrestling an alligator. So we'll follow up on that as well. Look at those guns, man. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow, BYU Football Media Day. We have a two-hour show for you, 12 to 2 Eastern time. Kalani Satake, Zach Wilson, Jeff Grimes, ESPN's Ivan Maisel will join us. It is loaded, part of a loaded day on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Welcome back to Studio B and BYU Sports Nation with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. We welcome in a third man on the desk, and I emphasize man because he is the man, Ed Lamb, BYU assistant head coach. Before media day, you're starting early. Yeah, I just I got the call, and here I am. I don't know, I don't know what to to attribute this honor to, but uh, I'm here. I'm <laughs> the warm up straight from it, here yeah. to camp, uh, camping with the the uh, young high schoolers this week and teaching those guys some football. But it's nice to be here for a few minutes. Thanks. It's great to have you with those camps. Um, how, certainly, you identify some kids before they ever come to camp, or if they ever come to camp. But at what age are you identifying some of these potential recruits when they come to a BYU football camp? Oh, that's that's great, really. I think uh, probably when they get in about junior high, yeah, we we have uh, we have a what we call a Cubs camp, which is really little kids, and that's all about fun. And really, they those kids enjoy being with our players probably more than us. And then when they get into junior high, they really start working on their skills a little more. We're looking at height and weight and speed, and sometimes we'll pull a, an eighth grader up to the varsity field, <clears throat> and uh, those camps run kind of simultaneously on adjacent fields. That seems like quite the impact on a program. When you take a step back and, and think about the access and, and when you begin to actually see some of these players. Absolutely. Yeah. And BYU, I think, has an advantage that way. You know, we always we get hung up sometimes on BYU's disadvantages or challenges. But one of the advantages is there are young kids from five years old and, and up that want to come to BYU. They're dying to come to camp and make an impression. In the past, there was uh, this idea that, hey, we need you to come to camp if we're going to offer you. Is that a thing? Does a, does a player need to come to camp? Or could you offer them without coming to camp? We certainly do offer them without coming to camp. Um, and uh, and it, last week, there were several players who had been offered and then came to camp only just to meet our players. They, they didn't actually participate in camp. So I think... Um, just wanted to be here? Y- yeah, they, they wanted to be here. Kind of an unofficial visit. Yeah. yeah. 
Gotcha. Assistant head coach Ed Lamb with us on BYU Sports Nation. I know you don't have a ton of vacation time because you're obviously very busy with summer camps and media day, but in the limited time that you will have off, what's the what's the vacation spot this summer, coach? We we have an annual tradition in our family. We drive uh, Sarah's um, Sarah's father has a, a farm in Iowa, and uh, he you know retired back to the family farm, and so we always make that drive from wherever we have lived. We drive it and and really enjoy the trip. We have some stops that we make. Glenwood Springs, Colorado is always oh, the first one. Beautiful. It's my kids' favorite spot. It's, my, it's one of my favorite spots. But really, I mean, other than that, it's I travel so much for work that it's about just being at home. You know, being at home, hanging out in the backyard, and and you know, doing doing the things that the kids do: soccer practice, dance, all that stuff. You have a catch with your kids in some random cornfield. It's in, in Iowa? when it's in Iowa, it's have a catch. <laughs> other places, it's. Yeah, play catch. Play catch. Yeah, play catch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's uh, yeah. We, we each state that we go through, we try to try to pick up that culture a little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this year we're going all the way back to Wisconsin, actually through oh, nice. Iowa to Wisconsin, a, a lake house there. Sarah's sister has a, a house on the lake back there. Driving all the way there. We're driving it. Wow. We're driving okay. it. Yeah. You know, our our son. You've, you've met our son Edward, and he, you uh-huh. know his autism and all that, but. One of his favorite things is just driving in the car. Great. So, yeah, it's a kind of peace for everybody. I, I love it, too. Like, yeah. like, my ideal situation in life would be to just drive across the country, see places, go to baseball games during the summer. That would be, hang out at the lake. That would be awesome. I'm, I'm with you. Some people might Let think Let me know that's if there's ridiculous. a spot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My wife won't like me leaving my almost one-year-old, but whatever. Uh, yeah, Ben is there, too, I guess. Uh, let's talk about some of the position battles coming up this fall uh, with the linebackers, middle linebacker. Obviously, that was kind of Butch Powers, and then Sione mm-hmm. Takitaki took that over. Yeah. So um, we're hearing about certain guys in the mix, but who's in the mix at middle linebacker? Really like the way uh, Jackson Kafusi played in the in the spring. He needs to continue just to improve his his body. You know, uh, coming back off of a mission, but just stronger and faster. But uh, he, he he has a lot of contact courage, and he was the guy who took the majority of reps. Peyton Wilgar um, took the spring semester off and is back now, and he looks really good. He we thought he was very good last year, and we're going to move him into the middle linebacker position. Uh, Alex Miskella was there a bit uh, as well in the in the spring, and so I think those three guys probably going in. But we also feel like like Zane Anderson, Isaiah Kalfusi, maybe Max Tooley, those guys could be middle linebackers as mm. well. So we want to keep it open and up in the air. It's disrespectful to the to the game to you know target somebody as first, second, and third right now. We just kind of leave it all open. Okay, so there is a chance that we could see one of those two guys that we all kind of anticipated would be on the edges, Isaiah Kofusi and Zane Anderson, move to the middle. Yeah, well, you certainly will. And a a big part of what we do, depending on who we're playing, is our nickel defense. And and last year, both of those guys actually played middle linebacker. Not that uh, we don't actually call them that. And at the end, when we're analyzing the stats, we don't say, oh, they made two tackles from the middle linebacker position, and so nobody really notices it. But they've, they've played and lined up in the middle before. That versatility is nice, especially with Zane, who was a safety, and he can just be that guy right in the nickel, and Diane Gonwoluku can play. He's like a smaller linebacker in those situations. He certainly like can. Yeah. Um, let's talk about kicker. So Jake Oldroyd, the hero of the Arizona game, and then he gets hurt a couple games later. Green cleats and all. He's yeah. back from his mission. Uh, he and Skyler Southam, are they in a battle for the place kicker spot? Absolutely, yeah. And, and even if one of them had been clearly better in the spring, that's just, that's just my philosophy, my personality. Everything's up for grabs. I think everything on the coaching staff should be up for grabs. You know, if we're not doing our jobs – 
you know, Kalani should feel comfortable at any time about shifting responsibilities. And, and uh, you know, I, the, for the players, to me, that's the only way to treat the game with respect is that you show up every day. It's not about the one guy. It's about the 122 other guys on the team. That's, that's why competition is so important. Are you okay if Jake Oldroyd kicks in neon green cleats? Is that okay with you? It don't worked care. against Arizona. Yeah, don't don't care. Care. As long as it goes in? Didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> Never noticed that. But no red. Everything yeah. else is good. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, if Mick Hill or our equipment man or Brian Santiago, I know he's involved with, with the Nike relationship. I mean, if those guys have an issue, I'm a soldier. I'll make sure he's wearing the correct color. But no, I, I never knew he was wearing a different color. <laughs> <laughs> BYU assistant head football coach Ed Lamb with us on BYU Sports Nation. It is the day before media day. Tomorrow we uh, roll out an annual program called the State of the Program. So the day before, how would you, in your words, define the current state of the BYU football program? Uh, personally, I think I think from the inside, I'm talking right now, like, and that's what you're asking, I think is, is from me, and, and I think I can speak for a lot of our coaches, especially those that have been through here and, and have been around for a long time. This is a program that's been at the top the very top of college football. And so we're in a fragile state right now. There are advantages and disadvantages to independence. To reach the full potential of independence, we have to be nationally relevant. Like um, Now, there's some things we can't control. Like even when I was a player, we won 14 games. We didn't get in the bowl game we wanted. We got in a very good bowl game. Some changes ensued in college football. That's the type of noise that BYU has to make. Anything less than that, in my mind, is a failure. We're not, I mean, we, we didn't, we didn't come here. Kalani didn't accept the job. I didn't come here to uh, just just kind of have the program maintain status quo. The, the only goal that we have is to make this a nationally relevant football program. And now that's playoffs and New Year's Six. So is that how you quantify that? Like, hey, we got to get to a New Year's Six at some point? Because that feels like you've got to go undefeated, and that's certainly a, a tough standard to get to, one that's only happened once in program history. I think it's all about the schedule. I think you, you see teams get into New Year's Six with less than an undefeated record. It's all about the schedule and what it is. And and when we start talking about individual games and goals within that, then you know right now it's 100% of our focus is just on beating Utah. When we talk about the state of the program, I think that's a larger scope that you're putting on that question. And and so we have to, you know, yeah, we're we're talking about winning winning them all. Yeah. And without a conference, Jeremy and I have discussed this often on this program, and that is. If BYU doesn't have a conference to be nationally relevant, you probably need to be nationally ranked. So where does that factor into all of this and, and what you're aiming for and, and trying to get to? Yeah, exactly right. So, so one, you know, disadvantage of independence, been talked about a lot. One of the advantages is you go to a New Year's Six Bowl or playoffs, you're not sharing that revenue with the conference, right? And BYU sorely needs more resources, right, to compete at a national level. But as is often the case, and, and most of the teams that are at that level – the resources don't come first. It's it's the victories and the national relevance, and that's what brings the resources in. And and that's the job we've been tasked to do, and we don't shy away from it. Yet we've seen that several times in independence, uh, BYU's been able to get off to a hot start, and, and boom, you're, in, you're being discussed. You're ranked mm-hmm. 20th last year after Wisconsin and McNeese, and it's like, hey, this is working, right? So how do you get into that, I guess, second month continuing that momentum is the question, it feels like. Oh, well, that, that's a great question. I think um, certainly depth from a, from a coaching standpoint, we have to look at how we develop depth, and that's, that's recruiting, and then we develop depth throughout the year in practice and, and putting players into game situations, sometimes forcing them into game situations that they may not be ready for. And then, um, and then I, I think the other thing that we just 
have to continue to do is is find a way to have a message that can last not just through the game or through a couple of games, but through the season. And that's why I really bristle sometimes when I hear people say, you know, like, oh, the first four, you've got these these great games, the first Shoot, four that's games. that's what we call it. Hey, man, game, yeah. <laughs> game five, what do we do? You know, no, like, this is about one game at a time, and it's about the whole season. And for us on the coaching staff or the younger players, it's about the season stacking up behind each other. And perhaps you can talk about that. So we, we've sensed a little bit of trepidation with how much is going into the Utah, the Utah game. Yeah. It's great to have Utah as the first game, but it's like, hey, 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 there's Tennessee the next week. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess that's a challenge like you're talking about of, guess what? We're going to play in front of 100,000 next week. It's not all about Utah, but at first it is. It's a delicate balance, I guess. It, it is, and, it, and it'll be the same challenge, hopefully, and, and kind of a reset uh, after the Tennessee game, right? yeah. you, you reset. The, but but hopefully right now our guys are getting in the, the habit of Utah's our next opponent. That's 100% of our efforts. If they were our second opponent, we would not be talking like that. Sure. Ed Lamb with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's discuss some of the knowns and unknowns of this team. In your mind, what is the most prominent known? Like if you had to put your finger on one thing and say, I know I'm going to get this from my team, what is it? Uh, physical effort. Contact courage. Those, I mean, that's all. That's one thing. I hope. I hope you'll accept that as a single answer. But, contact courage. Contact. I courage, like that yeah. phrase. Yeah, yeah, BYU brings that year in and year out. Even even when BYU was known as uh, the, the, the at the forefront of the passing game in college football, it was when you talk to coaches or opponents um, that were on those teams we were playing. It was the physicality of BYU football that separated BYU from the rest. Okay. Now on the other side, what about the unknown? What's the biggest unknown in your mind? I think the, the it's probably the same every year that it's the, the chemistry of the of the team and the coaching staff how it comes together and are we able to bring out the best in each other. Regarding the schedule, each one feels unique in that it's different teams, it's different spots. September is certainly uh, unique to BYU, though. BYU is the only team in the country playing four Power Fives to start the season, mm-hmm. and it's not like these are Power Fives that have uh, you know Rutgers uh, emerged into the Big Ten you know yeah. later in the, these are teams that are quality right um, how do you how do you manage that in terms of you want to do something special but no one else in college football is playing those four teams in a row mm-hmm. so there, there's the opportunity yeah you just said it we want to do something special and uh, and I, I I'm so glad that the schedule is as it is and if you look at uh, for years further out and and I know you have it it gets even more challenging or as far as name recognition goes, you know, we, for our players that play in these games, they know that, uh, you know, some of these, these teams that are nationally recognized or that the fans maybe think are, are a lot stronger, they're not necessarily stronger than the other teams that we play. It's just kind of tradition sometimes sure. speaks loudly when, in that discussion. But it's one game at a time, and, and we get excited about the game that is. We've been comparing the challenge, and it is a significant one for BYU football, to a challenging golf course. And you play golf, and you play it well. I've played with you. I've seen this often. But you're stepping up to number 17, the Island Green, to TPC Sawgrass against the schedule. And just what if you hit that magical shot, right? That's right. Yeah. You win a car. <laughs> the risk reward AKA ranking. Yeah. it is the risk reward well it let's is. give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to survive media day you survive this and uh, enjoy the long road trip to Wisconsin man that's going to be great yeah, thanks guys Okay, I appreciate it coming up the BYU golf cart every true blue coog would want to own and how would you define 
the state of the program for BYU football. We want more of your responses. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, the day before media day, and we just had a fantastic interview with assistant head football coach Ed Lamb. He did not well, mess around when he was discussing expectations for himself in this program. They're really high, and they should be, right? You can, ha- you can have a dose of realism and understand what the situation is, but for you to really accomplish something and not just sit back like us and just analyze it, you know, it's different. I get it. Anything less than being nationally relevant and making noise to the tune of a 1996 type of season, he says, is essentially a failure. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I, I think if BYU wins eight, this eight plus. In fact, here's what I really want for the Zach Wilson era to go uh, eight plus right this season. And then you push nine or ten and then senior year. Hopefully you're getting ten plus with Zach Wilson, because I think him a- as an upperclassman, they got a chance to win. A lot of ball games, right? Yeah. Eighteen plus is last two years. Double digit wins with one of these current schedules will okay. get BYU national relevance. Yeah, we're talking seasonal relevance yes. as opposed to a game. You can always win one big game. Absolutely. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The ninth annual BYU Football Media Day goes down tomorrow. We'll host a special two-hour BYU Sports Nation. I know. Noon to 2 Eastern, huge day. A-list guest lineup from BYU Football all in Studio B. Plenty of coverage, including the state of the program at 11 Eastern, 9 a.m. Mountain. And 150 years of college football, a special presentation at 4 Eastern. You can also watch web chats online with Lauren Frankham McLean and Jason Shepard. That'll happen throughout the day, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Eastern, and 5 p.m. Eastern. Pro Football Focus ranks BYU starting left tackle Brady Christensen as the number two returning sophomore tackle in the country. Christensen started every game last season and had a tackle-eligible rush against Northern Illinois. The USA Men's Volleyball Nations League team beat France in four sets on Sunday. Taylor Sander led the team with 16 points. His former Cougar teammate Ben Patch scored 10 for the U.S. They're on a four-match win streak. They'll play their next three matches in Chicago. This weekend, beating with Japan on Friday. And how about some more volleyball fun? The USA men's Pan-American Cup team sweeping Guatemala yesterday. Former Cougar Price Jarman scored seven points in that Team USA win. And the U.S. women's Pan-Am Cup training team beat Canada in an exhibition match. Former Cougars Ronnie Jones-Perry had 17 points, the most of anybody in the match. Canada's Alexa Gray, former Coug, led Canada with 14. Oh, snap. That's pretty cool. That is awesome. Our question of the day, going back to BYU football, we just asked it to Ed Lamb. We asked each other in our opening segment, how would you define the state of the BYU football program? Let's go back to social media and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. In on Facebook, and I believe this is pronounced Daniel Araujo. Yeah, in this case, Daniel probably. Daniel. He says Kalani is committed, and this trickles down. Okay, I think we're seeing in recruiting that BYU is getting better players in year four and consistently knowing that Kalani Stake is the guy, right, this and next year. It's a five-year plan, people. So let's see where BYU goes because we're going to feel very differently if all of a sudden BYU wins nine games this year and has its quarterback for the next two years in the mix, plus Jaron Hall, plus all this talent that BYU is kind of gathering, it takes a minute to develop a good business model. And that's and BYU's had to redo it, right? Ty Detmer, offensive coordinator, you know what? It's not working out. I thought Ty would get another year. BYU tended to move quickly on that. 
uh, Dave Rose, right? Hey, last four years, no tourney, um, retirement, different direction, different juice, right? Uh, and let's see where it goes. Sometimes you have to make an uncomfortable choice that is for the better of the program immediately. And I think in year two with Jeff Grimes, we're going to see that this offense is going places. It's interesting because BYU had to make some uncomfortable choices in 2005 when they went and got Dave Rose as the head basketball coach and then got Bronco Mendenhall moved up into that head coaching position for the football team. And here we are. Yeah, I don't think it was uncomfortable to make that football choice. Well, though, right. Because you had that three losing seasons. It's, it was easy. True. It's, it's just ugly. It's never, it's never yeah. a good thing, right? That what I'm saying is it happened at the same time. And this Firing Ty Detmer and this now... Feels, this feels weirder and uglier because firing Ty Detmer was ugly because he's the Heisman Trophy. It was just awkward for everybody, right? Um, but what's more awkward is being 4-9 and nine and stinking on offense. So uh, BYU made a change, and I think they got the right quarterback to lead them out of the doldrums, right? Adam King answers on Facebook his state of the program. Very stable with too much promise not to win 10 games. Okay, I think that all depends on how good the opponents are. I think we feel like if USC and Tennessee are the same teams from last year, and we do not expect them to be that, then BYU's got a chance, right? Because what if uh, Utah's really good, USC and Tennessee are not, and Washington is not, and then BYU can beat the teams that, that the regular non 4 9 7 6 BYU that we've seen the last few years should beat? If this, is, if this is 2011, we think BYU is winning nine games this year, right? Probably. We, we think they're only winning seven because they've won four and seven the last two years. Our standard lowered. We got scared. We're a little more gun-shy with the optimism, right? Not everybody. but uh, <laughs> we're, Clearly not everybody. We're a little gun-shy on overthinking it because BYU has been burned the last couple of years, right? To Ed Lamb's point... Some of these teams don't have the traditional power name. But what if Toledo is incredible and ranked and what if they're the best the team Mac in the MAC? Yeah. And Boise State's ranked and awesome. And South Florida's crushing it in the American. Like, these are not easy games. Right. And, and well, some of these will be easier than we think. Right. That's the, that's the thing. Some like, of them will what be harder. If USC is just, just awful. Yeah, who knows? And BYU beats them at home. Because when BYU beat Wisconsin, on the Thursday before that, we said, what if BYU beats Wisconsin? And I said, then Wisconsin wasn't that good. Wisconsin was good. They were 8-5. and five, But they weren't like college football playoff good like they thought they might be, right? Lee Corso picked them to win the national title. Just win the games you're supposed to win and then win one or two others that you weren't supposed to, right? Don't lose the game you're not supposed to either, though. Ten wins is the stretch goal yes, for BYU. absolutely. That is the stretch goal. I think a goal is just to get better. Eight wins. I think awesome. Eight, I think, yeah, and to have a proper goal, you have to quantify things. And in this case, we have the wins and losses, right? And, and the goal is eight. Get to eight. Hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, what former Coug is back in the big leagues? And his development and his arm. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tomorrow for BYU Football Media Day, starting at 10 Eastern on BYU TV Digital for the first of several web chats. Lauren McLean, Jason Shepard on those, followed by State of the Program, 11 Eastern, a two-hour BYU Sports Nation, more web chats, and an afternoon program about BYU's role in the 150 years of college football. 
Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation and Studio B. This is your current BYU football and BYU sports stock exchange. And we are wondering if we should buy, sell, or hold, presented by Delta Airlines Keep Climbing, the following topics presented to you by a top buttoned-up Ben Bagley. What is happening? What? I've gone to the dark side. Look at that. What happened? It's kind of comfortable, Jerem. Oh, man. It is. Depends nice. on the shirt. Let's do this. All right. Buy, sell, or hold. Zach Wilson's arm being ready to go right now. Okay. Uh, wait. Right now? Uh, Zach Wilson's mother, Lisa, posted on the gram some video of Zach throwing with dad Mike, big Mike, who played at Utah. I'm going hold because it's June. And I want to see whether on, you know, August 29th he's good to go and that there's no issues in the rehab and the progress and can he fully flex the arm and throw where he wants. So I'm hold right now. Okay. He's not ready to go right now. So I'm selling right now. Okay. It will be time eventually where yeah. I will buy this. Okay, here's the video. We, like, I will buy this, this but right, his arm ready right now? No, stop it. I like give the, the ba- kid. That backyard's legit, give by the Give the way. kid time. Sell it on this right now, okay? Look at that it, backyard. I, I want know. to party with the Wilsons. <laughs> thing's amazing. They have a trampoline, the trampoline with the basketball in, in front of the basketball the hoop. hoop. Trampoline in front of the basketball hoop. Yes. Gosh, I make Mike's so much less nice money than him. Mike's got a nice arm, too. Somebody make sure Lisa gets this. Mike. Look, he's got Mike, a solid, he's got a solid uh, arm. That's the, I'm buying I, his arm. I thought that same thing. I thought, wow, he has a quick release, too. Yeah. Look at him. I'm, I'm, I'm buying his that's arm. Now, sell right now. I will buy Zach Wilson when he's had adequate time to get healthy. Yeah, there's still time. In fact, how many days until the game? Countdown to the youths. 73. That's okay, how many. Okay, there's 73 days. Okay. 73 days hold, away. Hold. Hold. Remember? Great number 73, our guy Jake Carissa. Oh, yeah, Jake Carissa is awesome, man. One of the greatest, I think, offensive linemen or most underappreciated offensive linemen for BYU football. That dude never missed a block, ever. Ask Jeff Grimes about that. Yeah. How are Jake and Alex Carissa related, by the way? They're brothers? They're brothers. But, like, how? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, how did that happen? Body time is very different. How did that happen? All right. tremendous. Top button Ben Bagley. What do you have next? I thought you were saying, speaking of holding... Jake Caressa. <laughs> Never missed a block. <laughs> Never missed a block. Buy, sell, or hold a BYU player being drafted in next year's NBA draft. Sell. So, I, I just I don't see it, and that's fine. I would love to be wrong about this. I think that we're in an era where it's going to be harder for BYU athletes to be draft picks. Okay, the the game has expanded to the whole world, so uh, the the uh, you know project that may be overseas is more enticing because you don't know as much about it compared to the guy that you may have seen for four years, like a Yoli Childs. Yoli Childs has NBA athleticism. He has some other skills that are NBA quality. Not all of them, right? I think he's a G League guy. But and that would mean he's probably not drafted. And to me, he's BYU's best prospect. Yes, sell. This is I'm not going to put this expectation on BYU to have a guy drafted into the NBA. We have documented how many international players are coming into the draft recently. I think in the last ten years, if my numbers are correct, it's an average of like twelve to fifteen international players those going in those sixty picks. Yeah. Those are spots yeah. that usually would go to a guy like. I don't know, Yoli Childs as he sneaks in. Or Eric Mika had he stayed another year in my Trent opinion. Trent Plaston was drafted 
He wouldn't be drafted today. Trent didn't play a second in the NBA. Trent was drafted Even though and he didn't was a play. Pick. Yes, yeah. but I, what I'm saying is with how things are now, it is a global game, social media. It's so yeah, different. Yes. Another part of that is the certain, a certain athleticism that BYU typically gets that is, is perhaps not at that level. But let's see if Mark Pope can't get some of those guys, right? What if he gets one of those guys? Would you be okay with the one and done? I would. That means they're awesome. Yes. Please, come here. Come to BYU. Next. Buy, sell, or hold BYU as a volleyball first school. (laughs) Buy, but it's also many other things, right? BYU is amazing at volleyball. We chronicled it in the uh, headlines. The women's program right now is top 10. The men has been top 10 for like 20 years. They went to three straight final fours. Yeah, three of the last four years. So, um, yeah, BYU is a volleyball school. But it's not limited to volleyball. Does that make sense? I buy. I, I think BYU is fantastic. BYU has been put on the map by volleyball in that world. But outside of the volleyball world and the spectrum, and we're in the details on BYU Sports Nation, BYU is still a football school. So of, course, I'm, of, of course it is. I'm holding. Yeah. I'm holding on. Like, B- Although, t- tell the people what Tom said to you to say to me. After we're a the Wisconsin football lunch, school. That week I joked, BYU is a volleyball school. We beat Wisconsin. BYU beats Tell Wisconsin. Jerem, Tell Jerem. We're BYU a football, football school. school. Yes, to which no. I say, schedule two fewer power fives a year. BYU is a volleyball power. <laughs> and volleyball is currently the most successful program for sure. They've got to win more national titles for this to perhaps be an actual conversation. Because yeah. what we just had wasn't actual. Is BYU a volleyball school? Inactual. Yes. Are they a volleyball first school? No. Hold. Hey, come on. It's football first. Yes. Trust me. Go to the Satake and Rose Pope show crowds and tell me which sport is the school. Yeah. All right, Ben, what do you have for us last? Last one. Buy, sell, or hold this BYU-themed golf cart, which is actually for sale. Oh, I thought you were going to say your top button, and I was going to sell so fast. <laughs> Buy. Okay. Uh, this is for sale in Idaho Falls. How, for how much? I don't know. We need to find out the price. Should we maybe <laughs> consider buying this, or should we start a GoFundMe if we're told no, that we can't buy it? Because that BYU to NFL <laughs> said it's out of his price range, but if you're interested, it's pretty solid. Man. A tattoo wasn't out of his price range with your face on it. <laughs> right now, people are like, what? On the lower back. My that, blue did that really face. happen? The, Do we know he sent that? sent out the tweet to prove it. We thought it happened. Did that? But I'm, I'm guessing it was a temporary tattoo now would i buy the golf cart expendable income when i'm retired and live next to a golf course yeah buy later sure you buy later your boy jimmer fredette has a golf cart hold now of course buy that later coming up more proof this is a volleyball school among others (laughs) and colton shaver the bat cat is moving on up in his professional baseball career but where is BYU sports nation This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, and a shout-out to today's guest, BYU football assistant head coach Ed Lamb. Outstanding conversation. Download the podcast if you missed it. Shows on demand via the podcast or the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. The 219th annual BYU football meeting, that feels like that sometimes, is tomorrow. We'll have a two-hour show, 12 to 2 Eastern time, among many other studio shows and web chats. Check BYUtv.org or BYUcougars.com for the complete schedule. 
Pro Football Focus ranks BYU's starting left tackle Brady Christensen as the number two returning sophomore tackle in the country. For the 2019 season, Christensen started every game last season. Utah State's Alfred Edwards ranked number four. I don't care. Cougars and Aggies in November. Volleyball. Cares about them. The Men's U.S. Volleyball Nations League team beat France in four sets yesterday. Taylor Sanders, 16 points. 10 points from Ben Patch. Team USA plays in Chicago this week. That's their only uh, VNL uh, stateside series. The Men's Pan Am Cup team featured former middle blocker Price Germany. had seven points and a win against Guatemala. The U.S. Women's Pan Am Cup training team beat Canada in an exhibition match. How cool is this? Ronnie Jones-Perry, All-American at BYU, leading the U.S. with 17 points in that win over Alexa Gray and Canada. She scored 14 to lead the Canadians. Baseball. I really hope someone's TV was up and their like Echo Dot just responded to you saying Alexa. I think somebody has tweeted in something like that before. Like I did that real. this morning on our uh, conference call. <laughs> Brock, are we on baseball? Brock Hale and Jackson Clough are on the ABCA Rawlings West All Region Second Team. Hale led the team with a three thirty batting average. Clough was a sixth round pick to the Nationals. Soccer. All right, here we go. It's time for the World Cup date. The United States took it relatively easy on Chile yesterday in Paris, winning 3-0. The United States, through the group stage, they play fellow advancing team Sweden Thursday to see who yeah. wins the group. More importantly, Jerem. More importantly than okay. the U.S.? Not, not more importantly, but still important to us. Okay. BYU Sports Nation's secondary team, the Netherlands, yep. advanced as well with a 3-1 win advanced. against Cameroon on Saturday. Let's go. The bright orange of the Dutch play Canada on Thursday. Well done, ladies. Take that, Thailand. Karma. Today's rise and shout-outs. For me, I'm going to Colton Shaver, making the move to double-A baseball in his professional career. He's nice. leaving Arkansas yeah. and going to Corpus Christi, Texas. BYU actually played three games in that same stadium earlier this year. And won all three, to. as yeah. pointed out by Yeson Shepard. One goes out to all the volleyballers with Team USA and Canada. Taylor Sander, Ben Patch, Mary Lake, Lex Gray, Ronnie Jones-Perry, Price Jarman, Heather Nining, uh, Heather Olmstead as coach, have all repped Team USA or Canada this summer. That's super awesome. Okay. I like it. I mean, is it a volleyball school? Well, it's a football school, but it's also many other things. Yes. That's what we're saying. Yes, it is. Our question of the day. How would you define the state of the BYU football program? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort celebrating 50 years at Jeff Aka on Twitter. I'd say they are defining what the Satake era is this year. Ooh, this and next. It's a five-year deal. Okay. Five-year plan, right? All right. Sergeant Dennis Pitta ran out of time. You know. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout-out to another former number 73, Matt Allred. Going back to the 50s. We'll see you tomorrow for BYU Football Media Day. Bye.